0: Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello everyone, Rick Thomas here. I have one of the most important questions that you will ever ask. In fact, someone wrote in asking this very question. I'll share you uh, with you his question in just a moment. But here's the question in a succinct form. What qualities do you look for in a pastor? One of the most important questions when looking for a new church is how the pastor leads that local church. We're talking about assessing a pastor here. The pastor that leads a local church in larger churches, it could be a a unified body of pastors. It would be an excellent thought experiment to answer a few questions about those who lead your church. What qualities do you look for in a pastor? Now, I want to be careful here. I want to be charitable. I'm not coming at this question cynically or negatively, and I am well aware that uh, many people do because they have been hurt by local churches, by pastors specifically. But this is not this is not a time to throw shade on pastors. I, I want to do something that's redemptive and helpful here. And again, I don't want to be negative or critical about pastors because there are so many local churches that are doing an awesome job, and there are excellent good shepherds all over the world. In fact, there are more good shepherds than Bad shepherds, but unfortunately, because of the social media age in which we live and the interconnectedness of the net, the web, uh, we can hear, we will hear about the bad stuff that happens in a local church, and rarely do we take the time to talk about the good stuff that happens. And so I want you to know that this, this is something that I, I just want to uplift and encourage all the good shepherds out there that are doing a wonderful job because there's more of you that are doing fantastic job than those who aren't. However, with that said... The reason you are good shepherds is because there is a level. There is a bar that you ascribe to and, and the scriptures communicate where that bar is. And so what I want to do is to answer a question from a friend who who wrote in and say, Hey, if you were looking for a local church, specifically He was talking about a pastor there's more things involved in looking for a local church but in in this scenario in this situation what about the pastor and so i want to respond to that question specifically and so maybe a thought experiment would be wonderful in order to get started to think about the qualities that you would look for in a good shepherd and so what best describes your pastor How does he affect those around him? These are some of the things I'm going to talk about. I mean, we want to assess our pastors as they are assessing us. Uh, It's the same way that you would assess any person that you wanted to serve and you wanted to care for, that you wanted to associate with. And so what best describes your pastor? How does he affect those around him? Can he care for your soul? Finding a good shepherd is a tedious process that can even be daunting, and for those of you who have been in that space, you know it is so true. That's why it is important to have an excellent resource like what I'm providing for you here so that you can think with wisdom and carefulness. That you can set aside different things and segment and look into these different areas that I'm going to present to you. So that you can make a decision with your eyes wide open. Ensuring the proper leader leads the community well is paramount. Because the truth is, he determines everything that flows from that local body. I mean he is the point person. He is the person that's talking to God, and then he is carrying out what he believes the message is that that God wants you to hear. And so everything flows uh, from the pastor and the leadership team out into the local body, the community, and throughout the culture. Now here's the question that my friend sent in asking. I'll just read it to you as he wrote it, and then uh, this is what I'm going to be responding to. Uh, throughout. He says, we're looking for a new church. Would you mind answering this question for us? If you were looking for a church, what kind of pastor would you be looking for in that church? I know many things to consider when hunting for a church, but we wondered about leadership. And what makes a good pastor? Thank you for your time. Now, there's several things that I like about this question. And one of them is, if you were looking for a church, what kind of uh, pastor would you be looking for? That's an outstanding way to frame it. For those of you who do uh, counseling, you know uh, that oftentimes you counsel that way. For example, if someone were to come in and they're having uh, children problems, and you are a parent you're thinking through well how would i counsel myself in a situation like that and that's a great way to counsel because that provokes you to, to think you're not answering this question theoretically uh, but you're you're answering the question about parenting practically uh, because you want to know yourself and so you're really thinking through how would you do it and so my friend turned the tables on me and said, if you were looking for a pastor, what kind of pastor would you look for? So I thought that was outstanding. Now I want to begin by giving you a familiar verse. It's John 10, 11, because this is really the starting place for any good shepherding. Uh, Jesus said this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I talked earlier about uh, the, the under shepherd, the pastor, gets his messages and his direction from God, and then it flows out in these concentric circles to the congregation, community, culture, etc. Well, Jesus is the good shepherd, and so he is the starting point. Your pastor is not the the starting point when looking for qualities in a good shepherd. Jesus is, and so you want to start with him to think through what qualities you would look for in a pastor. And so the first step is to do what my friend is doing. He's seeking advice. It is wise, it's humble, it's essential, because another set of eyes will reveal things that you did not consider. And the decision, this decision, is too big to make without external input. You see, church life is one of your life's three most significant spheres where all of us spend our time. We spend our time in three big areas. Our church life is one, where we work, the thing that we do, our vocation, that is the other sphere, and then, of course, our family. Now, those three spheres comprise all of our life. As far as believers are concerned, we spend most of our lives in these three interrelated circles, And when any one of them becomes unsettled, it can make life uncertain and even uncomfortable. And many of you have experienced this when your family is disrupted in an adverse way, whatever that may be. Uh, that's one-third of all of your life. When you're looking for a new job, you're uprooted, you move across the country, et cetera. That is another one of those spheres. And when you're looking for a local church, there are many things that you're looking for, and one of those things is uh, the quality, the nature, the competency of the person in charge or the leadership team, if it is more than one person. But finding a local church is one of those spheres as well. And so, when I think about the church question, my primary thought is, who do I want to be my shepherd? And I use the word shepherd intentionally, as I've shared with you in in, uh, the Gospel of John. I like to frame the church question this way, especially when you substitute the word pastor for the word shepherd. Jesus did call himself the Good Shepherd, and that speaks volumes about the kind of person that he was, and the kind of person we need to come alongside us as we lead our lives and family. That's why uh, you want Jesus as the point person, and you want these under-shepherds to emulate Him as much as they possibly can, as recognizing that there are falling men. He's a competent, caring soul with all the courage necessary to help us to mature into, Christ, into Christ-likeness. That's your pastor there's some big words there. I'll give you three. Competent, caring, courage. To help us to mature in Christ's likeness, He will not be perfect as Jesus was. And that's where we want to be careful that we don't elevate a bar uh, so high. It's a bar that we cannot even achieve ourselves. But what you're looking for is Is He objectively developing into Christ's likeness? Is He directionally heading into Christlikeness, likeness just as we should? If he's heading into Christ's likeness as a pastor, he is an under-shepherd. And then you want to look at, well, what are the qualities, the title of this? What qualities do you look for in a pastor? Now, I want to look at Psalm 23 because it's familiar to all of us, and when you think about shepherding, well, Jesus is the good shepherd in John 10, and we see shepherding. In Psalm 23 throughout, for example, verses 2 and 3 says, He, the good shepherd, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. A lot of stuff happening there. We automatically connect the word shepherd to the kind of people that we are. The implied, what you see implied in that text is that we're sheep. And we need good shepherds doing all of those things for us, leading us beside still waters, making us to lie down in green pastures, restoring our soul and leading us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Sheep are not typically a flattering term but it's an accurate one, and you know this. You cannot trust sheep to meander down the trails of life without the expert care of a good shepherd, and that's why it's essential that we are part of a local church, and that's why it's essential that you want to make the the charitable assessments of the person who is leading that church. The Lord knew that we would wander off the paths, and that's why He gave us the church under shepherds to care for His sheep. Under-shepherds have us do things that are not spiritually intuitive to us. He makes us to lie down uh, beside still waters. I am not calling you foolish. At least you're not more foolish than I am. But you must receive care from others, which I must as well. And it's one of the many things that distinguishes the Christians from our worldly counterparts. We are not an army of one, that individualistic zeitgeist that permeates our culture, that self-reliant spirit. We humbly recognize our need to receive care while seeking interdependent relationships. And none of those outside relationships are more critical than the shepherd that we want to submit to to receive his care. Shepherding care does not mean the church's lead pastor or the team will personally be pastoring us. That is not always possible, especially if you land in a large church. Now, of course, the size of the church should not matter. Congregational size, that is a matter for personal preference. You can receive the pastor's care regardless of the size, though not always his undivided attention. And this is where we want to make a distinction. I come from a Baptist background, more specifically a small Baptist background, a small local church. And it was just generally understood that all of us was going to spend time eating at the pastor's house or he was going to make a personal visit to our home. There's nothing wrong with that, even though the Bible does not say that. That is a tradition. That is not Scripture. And again, that's okay. It is a requirement that we can place on pastors that will keep your church small. But what you want to distinguish is between receiving a pastor's care and receiving a pastor's attention. Those are two different things. This is something that we talk internally in our, in our ministry here at Life Over Coffee. I mean, think about this. Within any given year, we provide care for more than 100,000 people globally but I'm not meeting with 100,000 people, and we're not doing hospitality for 100,000 people, Lucia would, well, th- that's just not going to happen. But people can receive my care even though they do not get my undivided attention. I mean, recently, a pastor sent me a uh, two photographs, and it was him leading a small group of men, and he was uh, in the photograph. Uh, he showed me this book, and also there was a picture of the men as they were going through this book. This book uh, is Change Me, for those of you who are listening to the podcast. Change Me, the Ultimate Life Change Handbook. This is a book that I wrote many years ago. And here's the point that I want to make. I will not be discipling these men but these men will receive my care through this pastor who is going through this book well under shepherds are very similar they cannot give everybody in the local church their undivided att- attention that is unwise and we should not place that rigor on a pastor to do that we want to release them in fact, Paul provided insight on how to care for folks without giving every single person FaceTime. This is in Ephesians 4, where he said, equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Now that opening part right there is absolutely critical. Pastors are to equip the saints to do for the work of the ministry. And then he begins to explain for building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of stature, of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. That's why this The opening part of this sentence, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, is so vital to understand because a pastor can't do that in a one-to-one ratio. But he can equip the saints to go out to do the work of the ministry. And so the shepherd's role is not what he does for you, but what he provides for you. It's not what I do for a hundred thousand people, but it's what we as a team at Life Over Coffee provide for a hundred thousand people, even though we, we meet with a more intimate group than that who go out and care for others. And though the pastor may not give you his undivided attention, he can offer you his expert care. The kind of care he provides for you and others will flow out of the type of person that he is and into his immediate sphere that does receive his undivided attention, other leaders in the church. And that is how a good working model of a local church can function and function very well. The pastor of a small church and a large church are the same in that way in that they determine the shepherding care that the church provides— And the sheep receive. And so, regardless of the church's size, the church leaders they set the attitude, they set the direction, and they set the quality of the care. A lead pastor's primary role is to lead by caring for you. It is to lead by caring for you individually, or leading those who are caring for you individually. If the church has a lot of people, the pastor will equip others to care for you. And these individuals will carry out his shepherding vision and direction for the church as it will just unroll uh, in concentric circles. Now suppose that he is a pastor of a smaller congregation. Okay, in that case, he may be doing the primary soul care for the congregation, but what he'll be doing also is he will be identifying a few core people to come alongside himself to help in the shepherding responsibilities. And again, this is something that I did. Uh, many years ago when we started this ministry in 2008, when we launched, it was me doing everything. And then as people came along and as our ministry continued to grow numerically, I began to identify certain people that I poured more time into. And those people grew up to be leaders and now they participate in this ministry and we were able to care for even more people because my my focus went from caring for everybody to only caring for a select group of people. Either way, large church, small church, the sheep who are part of the local church that he leads should be receiving his world-class care. In Psalm 23, 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And what we see there is a a contentment uh, that... Uh, The sheep have because of the work of the Good Shepherd. Now, no doubt the shepherd you find, he's going to be wearing many hats, but the main one that you want to discern is his soul care hat. With all charity, with all discernment, you must ask what is the condition or state of the sheep under his care? How are they doing? Are they, is there a growing satisfaction among the sheep within his care? If you were to go to an auction where they were selling sheep, you would want to know the health of the sheep. The quality of the sheep will directly reflect the kind of shepherd who was in charge of caring for them. The quality of care is such an essential point that the good sh- of our good shepherd That the under shepherds will be judged for how they care for the sheep. Now let me give you a big fat caveat here. We live in a transient culture. There are people that are coming and going in our churches all the time. They do this for various reasons. You can get a new job, maybe travel across the country and land in a new town and in a new church, and so you've only been at this church for a minute and so we want to be careful to, to distinguish between folks who have been at the church for a long time and have received the church uh, the the lead pastor's care or the leadership team's care because they have been there for a while we have to make those subjective distinctions because a person who just showed up at the church for a minute well they haven't been affected because they've only been there for a minute we also have this phenomenon in our culture at least in america we call it transfer growth these are people that get upset at a church the first church downtown and now they go to the second church downtown or the third church downtown and so we have this transient population and, and sometimes this transfer growth and then we also have evangelistic growth those are folks who have just recently been born again and they are new to the faith, and they come in uh, to the local church. And so, when when I talk about assessing the the local church as far as uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'm talking about a satisfaction factor that the people in this church have. Are they generally satisfied? I do want to make a distinguish a distinction. That is my caveat because we want to be charitable. You don't want to you don't want to be assessed for someone who's been in your church for a minute. You don't want to be assessed for someone who left another church and they're grumbling and complaining and now they showed up at your church and they assess that person and assess you based on that person. You don't want to be assessed for the person who's been hurt by Christianity and they're doing a slow roll into a church after many years of being out of the church. And so again, we want to be very wise when we make these assessments. So there's two ditches. That we want to stay out of one everybody in the church has not been in the church long enough to be affected by the leadership of the church and then the other ditch is that we make no assessments at all now i realize that this is not a comfortable inspection to make as far as what qualities do you look for uh, in a pastor but you have to do this. But we want to do this reasonably. Uh, We want to do this with all wisdom and discernment. We want to do this carefully. Because the truth is, uh, scripture uh, gives us some sober text about the severity of leaders who are not leading well, and we would be disobedient if we are not trying to discern the leadership care and the quality of these people who are over us. For example, he, Hebrews 13:17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who who as those who will have to give an account. They're going to give an account for this. James 3.1, by the way, says a similar thing in another way. But this Hebrew text is a fearful passage that should motivate pastors to care for their people competently and diligently. And though I'm not a pastor, and God will not judge me the same way as a pastor, that verse is a sober reminder of the seriousness of a person's shepherding responsibilities. But I also don't want you to miss the caveat in that verse. Actually, in Hebrews 13:17 it says let them do this with joy, not with groaning. And I want to insert that caveat here, because sometimes we can be so singularly focused as we are assessing, and depending on what has happened to us, we can assess pastors in an uncharitable way, but we want to make sure that we address the log in our eye, and that's why I like this caveat in Hebrews thirteen seventeen. let them do this with joy and not with groaning. And so as you assess your pastor, evaluate yourself. Are you a joy for him to pastor? Now, perhaps asking him would be an opportunity for you to conversate about the reciprocality of partnering with your pastor because it is a reciprocal relationship. Yeah, he's going to be judged. He's going to give an account for how he's doing this. But so are we in another type of way. Now, there's another pas- a passage that talks about the seriousness of this. That's why we want to stay out of both ditches that we want to be careful and charitable about judging, especially for those people who are transient or they're hit and miss. They one in four, two in four meetings a month they attend, uh, or they're cynical and they're, they are uh, coming back to the local church after leaving for so long, etc. Okay, the new convert Then over here, uh, that we don't make any assessments at all. That would be wrong, too. In fact, Peter says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, Not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to the flock. And that's how I want to wrap up. I want to talk about the example. Uh, You can hear Paul saying, follow me as I follow Christ. Peter considered the elders to be examples to the flock. That is another fundamental perspective that you look for in a good shepherd. What kind of example is the pastor of the church that you are considering? Now, there are ways for you to discern exemplary, his exemplary care competence of the potential under-shepherd, and that's by his impact on others, including carefully, carefully considering his wife and his children, assuming he has a wife and children. You see, his wife will provide, his family will provide you with the most accurate assessment of what kind of person that he is. Now, this is a rational thing to think about. You cannot live with somebody for 5, 10, 15, 20, 35 years and not impact them positively or negatively. So it's just a rational thought that no one can argue with. It's called a shaping influence. And so again, with charity and carefulness, a whole lot of discernment, what has been his effect on others? How has he affected those closest to the epicenter of his sphere of influence, meaning how would you describe his wife and his impact on his wife? Does she give you the impression that she has received excellent shepherding care from her husband? The longer the marriage, the more she has been affected by him. What is her sanctification trajectory? Is she maturing more and more into Christ-likeness? Now again, I want to give you another careful caveat here. I said earlier about the transient culture and people who have only been in the building for a minute. We want to be careful of not uh, assessing them as receiving the pastoral care because they haven't been there long enough to be affected. But then when I talk about a person that he's been living with for a long time, his wife specifically, there's another caveat. She is personally responsible for how she grows in Christ. There is no question, however, that her shepherd husband has affected her. So there's a tension here, and we have to say these things aloud. She's responsible for the decisions that she makes and how she matures in Christ. It's also true that he's affected her. You cannot live close to another human being for an extended period and not affect another human being, whether for the good or bad. Now what about his children? What are they like? How do they carry themselves? Interact with others? How do they engage life if they're in their teens teens and beyond? These things will reflect how the primary influencer in their life has been influenced, has influenced them. Their dad is the one who's had the most powerful impact on their lives. As you observe his children, what kind of vibe do you pick up on them? Now, caveat, my third one. I'm not asking you the regeneration or passion for Christ questions. If they have been born again or passionate for the Lord, that's between them and the Lord. None of us, not even the the good shepherd or the under-shepherd dad, can insert salvation or passion into children, because those functions fall within the sphere of grace rather than the machinations of men. And so what you're looking for is how their dad has shaped their personalities, not whether they're born again or not, not whether they're passionate for Christ or not. You're you're not looking for perfection in any of these qualities, but you're looking for the presence of Christ-like shepherding from their dad. And what I mean by that is that uh, even kids who reject God, they will be a positive impact on their life. Uh, the hand might not be in the glove, but the hand looks like a glove. And maybe someday they'll be regenerated and the hand will slide up in the glove. And so you can see an echo of Christianity in their life by how they have been impacted by their dad. And similar to the wife, what has been his impact on her and the children? No sheep exhibits perfection. We all have our flaws, but a discernible element of care has affected the person. So, for example, do they struggle with the fear of man? Are they sociable? Now, again, they're older now. Uh, We kids are uh, uh, under the teenage uh, time, season of life. They're just all over the map. When they're teenagers, they're just wobbly and kind of getting their roots down into the soil. But as they grow older, you, you, you will see they might the hand might not be in the glove, but you'll see you'll see the influence. And hopefully the hand and glove look like they could fit uh, as someday, even though they might not be born again at this point. Are they mature in how they engage life? Do they know how to behave appropriately among their peers? The shepherding question is Psalm 23, 5. I'll use this verse as I wrap up. It says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And, and what David is talking about here is that the good shepherd will climb a mountain. He'll go up on a hill. He'll find a mesa, a table, a table flat area. And he will begin to prepare that table, taking out poisonous plants and other weeds that would harm the, sh- the sheep. But he does that in the presence of his enemies. And so there are wolves and other uh, animals that would love to devour the sheep. That are on the periphery of this table. And so this is what the shepherd is doing futuristically. The sheep are not there yet. And so this shepherd has forethought as he's thinking in the future and he's preparing for the sheep to come up sometime in the future. These observations are essential because you're not just asking the shepherding question for yourself in the here and now. Your responsibilities before God. Now I'm speaking to the gentleman who wrote in and asked the question who has a wife and children. But his Responsibilities before God are more significant than His unique sanctification aspirations today. God has called Him to lead His family, which means, in part, making sure you position them to receive the best possible soul care from the various ways that the Lord provides. And so when I think about the local church that I attend, one of the questions that I ask related to the shepherding question actually goes like this. If I were to die... Has my pastor created a culture in our church that would be a safe and nurturing environment for my wife and children to continue to grow in their sanctification after I drop dead? Will my wife and children be safely cared for while help defend off the enemies of their souls? Psalm 23 5 makes the shepherding question much more expansive than who will care for you in the here and now. Who do you want to bring long-term futuristic care to your wife and children should you die? When you decide on the church where you will plant your family, you'll be placing them under the care of a shepherd who will have a present and future impact on their souls. Timothy would say, or Paul would say it this way to Timothy in 1 Timothy 3.6, He must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall in the condemnation of the devil. Your decision has long-term consequences. Another way that I like to think about this question is similar to how I reflect on a surgeon. Let's say that you are going under the knife, as I did in 2017. I had back surgery. Or maybe your wife was going under the knife. What kind of person do you want to do surgery on you? Well, how about your wife? Who do you trust to do this? You see, surgery is not a rash decision, and you're going to make assessments of that surgeon. You will judge him because you know the seriousness of it, and we need to see our physicality and our spirituality in a similar ways. You are looking for a person who is competent enough to provide the shepherding care and context that Jesus wants your wife and children to have. The shepherding question is one of the most important questions you can ask when looking for a church. And though the shepherd may know how to preach and lead an organization, his application and practice of soul care will significantly impact you and your family and generationally. Paul did not preach in the most appealing or expected ways, but he knew how to care for souls. A great orator for a pastor may be a plus, come here my preacher, but it's not a must. Even being a world-class CEO who knows how to run a world-class organization is not bad, but his ability to provide personal soul care and soul care context will be of utmost importance. I've titled this, What Qualities Do You Look For in a Pastor? Let me wrap up quickly with a few questions. Number one, can your pastor shepherd you? Can he provide shepherding context for you? Please explain your answer. Number two, there's only three. Can he speak into your life and your spouse's life in such a way that changes you and your spouse? How do you know? And then finally, number three, can you and your family mature in Christ while under his leadership? Will your spouse and children grow in Christ after you are promoted to heaven? If you want to read this, please uh, go to lifeovercoffee.com. It's titled, What Qualities Do You Look For in a Pastor? Thank you so much, and God bless. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.